We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those big swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Great Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now. Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. Welcome into the Graybar Sports Open Line. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley again here tonight on this uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Matt Pajeski with us as usual behind the controls here tonight. Matt Pauley getting some holiday time off here this holiday week. So we're with you tonight till 8 o'clock. Glad to have you along. Got a, uh, got a lot of topics to get into. Uh, we'll get into some baseball. We'll get into uh, Mizzou a couple of times here during the show. In fact, baseball as well. We'll talk to Derek Gould coming up here uh, in the middle of this hour. We'll also talk to Kylie McDaniel of ESPN on baseball and specifically on kind of what that free agent market looks like right now. So we'll do that in the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, and then we'll talk to Brian Kennedy as well coming up here shortly. We'll talk to him about Mizzou, Mizzou football, and the season they're having and and what kind of season you know it still could be. That 10th win is still out there for Mizzou. And then, of course, wherever they land as far as the bowl games are concerned. So all that coming up here on the program. We're also going to hear from Cards Manager Oliver Marmel in the 7 o'clock hour. Right now, get into uh, a little bit of Blues talk. Talked last night to Andy Strickland about the Blues and talked to him about this game coming up tonight. Blues and Coyotes, um, who it seems like they meet every other week so far this season, and and it's almost been that way. This is the third time they've met. They only play four times this year. They're playing the first time in Arizona now. They've played twice in St. Louis already this year, and they're just a point uh, different in the standings. 19 points for the Blues, fourth in the Central Division, 18 points for the Coyotes, fifth in the Central Division. So even though it is just November 22nd, it is a game which has implications on the standings. And Craig Berube talking after morning skate said as much today. Yeah, I mean, 500 in the road, um, that's not always a bad thing, you know. I think that, um, you know, we can come out of here with a victory tonight. You're 500 in the road, and we're heading home here tomorrow, so... You know, it's a big game. Uh, if you look at the standings and where everybody's seated right now, it's uh, tight in, the league, in our, our division. Um, so it's uh, an opportunity to gain two more points. And I think that's basically how the uh, Blues need to look at it. One of the things that stuck out when I was talking to Andy Strickland last night about this team is, is yes, they've been inconsistent. Yes, they've been kind of up and down. But what you haven't seen yet is an extended losing streak. And that is something that really hurt the Blues last year when they didn't get into the playoffs is the extended losing streak. And in in this case, it would be a couple of wins in a row on the road. That was something I think that Barubi was talking about, just getting back to 500 on the road, uh, taking two more points, all of those things kind of taking it one step at a time. Very coach speak, but at this point, it's really what they have to do 
And again, just to avoid one of those long skids that then you're trying to catch up, it seems like, constantly. Uh, Craig Berube talked about uh, some things that he's liked about what he's seen from the Blues this year. I think we've done some real good things. Um, You know, we had a real good stretch there at home playing good hockey. Uh, I think our road record has to improve, obviously. Um, And also, I I, I just, I I put it to consistency, I think, you know, night in and night out, um, giving ourselves an opportunity to win the game. And there's been some games where I think we've, um, we didn't have that consistency, um, where if we did or we changed it throughout a period, maybe we'd come out with a win or a point, you know. So I think just that consistency overall. Sounds like he was doing that interview over at uh, Shea Stadium. Uh, old Shea used to have the planes go over all the time when the Cardinals would be playing the Mets. Uh, made some adjustments to the lines, including moving Jake Neighbors to the second line. So like I think that with Shannon Saad, he can get in there and forward check and create some stalls for those guys. And, um, you know, he's really strong in puck battles and things like that. So I, li- I really like his skating right now. I think he's moving moving better than he was earlier on in the year. Um, and he's a guy that can finish around the net. He's good around the net. And, um, you know, he's got a nose for the net and he gets to the net. And he's a young guy on our team, a guy that's going to be a big part of the future. And, um, you know, he's earned that right to move up, in my opinion. And just like the other night, I put him on the power play. Um, I think that he's earned that right to be there. And um, like I said, he's he's good around the net. And I think uh, what he said there at the end, talking about the power play, is interesting as well. Another thing, obviously, that we focused on when I talked with Andy Strickland, just because of the, how poor the power play has been for the Blues this year and how it's kind of drag down that offense uh, in general as a whole because the power play has been so futile this year. So that'll be interesting. And, and I, I asked him then, did he think, I asked Andy if he thought it was a personnel thing. So we'll see if that particular move, uh, if that helps things on the power play. Jake Neighbors talked as well about going to that second line. Yeah, I think a little bit more of a possession game and, and trying to hang on to pucks and create offense. And, um, you know, I don't think I'm going to try and change too much. I think I've been playing well and, um, you know, just try and go out there and create space for them, be hard on the forecheck, create turnovers and, and get the puck into their hands. Two guys that obviously do a lot for our team and, and are a pretty impact players for our team. So um, just try to compliment them well. That's Jake Neighbors on his uh, shift up to the second line. And, of course, he talked uh, just in general about uh, ending up this road trip with a win tonight. Yeah, it's massive, I think. Obviously, the road's hard. These road trips are tough, um, especially these long ones. So it's important you get as many points as you can. And obviously had a, a tough first two games, so um, responded well the last one and, and hopefully finish on the right note here. All that audio is courtesy of the St. Louis Blues. Certainly appreciate hearing from uh, both those guys tonight as the Blues get set to take on the Coyotes Again, puck drops at 8 o'clock in that one. So, again, uh, it'll be Brian Kennedy coming up in our first segment, I guess our second segment after, uh, second segment here, first segment after this next break. Derek Gould also in the 6 o'clock hour to uh, talk the Cardinals moves and some Cardinals baseball. And then Kylie McDaniel and Randy Molman in the 7 o'clock hour as well. Great time of year with college basketball right now, just uh, in the on the – TV here, the final of the the Maui tournament, of course, being played in Honolulu after the wildfires in Maui. A great game just finished up between uh, Purdue and Marquette. Marquette knocked off Kansas in this uh, tournament. You know, Syracuse came into this tournament. They had never lost a game in Maui, 
Every time they had been, they had won every game they had played. They lost their first game, though, to Tennessee. But I thought I, I that stat just sort of blew me away because I feel like Syracuse is always at the Maui. It always has a great field. This year was no exception. A ton of teams uh, either in the top ten or right outside of the top ten. So a really good field for the Maui, and Purdue wins the Maui by beating Marquette tonight. We'll take a break here on Sports Open Line. We'll come back. We'll get ready to talk to Brian Kennedy about uh, Mizzou, that win over Florida this past weekend, and just what this season has been like for the Missouri Tigers, who finish up the regular season coming up this weekend. That's coming up. It's the Graybar Sports Open Line. I'm Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley. We're coming back here on Camo X. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Joe Pot back in on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line on a Wednesday night, the uh, Thanksgiving Eve edition of Sports Open Line. And, well, a little Mizzou fight song for you there. And we get ready to talk to Brian Kennedy of KMOV TV. Brian, you uh, were at the Mizzou game on Saturday afternoon. First of all, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, and I, I was on the, uh, on the field shooting the game on Saturday. So this... Uh, this this is what I've I've seen so much of, uh, like this on social media. I saw a whole bunch of like Florida fans, you know, talking uh, smack on Mizzou, and uh, you know, it wasn't they weren't classy, all this kind of stuff, right? And I I said this actually to Randy Mullen, who's going to join us a little bit later on, but like, there's no apologies for winning in the SEC, right? Like, my goodness, no. it's college athletics, right? right? I feel in college athletics more so than professional sports. So many emotions are involved, right? If you whether you went there, whether you're just a fan, there's so many more emotions involved. Obviously, there's a line that you don't cross, but at the end of the day, like I saw the video, like who cares, man? It's right. it's college, it's college athletics. Like there's a lot of emotion involved, especially if you're like an alum or if you're from Como, from the St. Louis area. Like you're all about your team, and so when you win, you're gonna let everyone know. And when you lose, like, you got to be ready to take that as well, right? You talk a lot of smack, so when your team loses, you, you know, you take that. But also when you win, you're going to make sure other people hear it. That's just, that's just how college athletics is. And, I've, and that's what I love most about college athletics is that emotional attachment to these guys every year, you know, that when you're watching these teams play. So I, I saw that, and I, I glanced at it, and I literally, truly kept it moving. I, I agree with you, though. That I mean, isn't that part of what draws us to – College athletics and college football is the pageantry, everything that goes into it, that it's it's all it's all about exactly as you said, whether you went to the school or you grew up near the school or whatever the case is, like that's part of our draw to college athletics. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then that's why and I that's why I love college athletics and it even more going to that game Saturday. You know, I'm from Kentucky. I went to the University of Kentucky. I'm I couldn't be further from a Mizzou fan, especially after the 
after Mizzou beat them. But <laughs> <laughs> being being in that atmosphere, man, you just get wrapped up in it. You just I remember walking out. You know, the team runs out, the crowds, you know, going M I Z Z O U, and I'm just like, this is freaking sweet, man. Like that's it's, that is like the purity of sports. You know, students, parents, alumni, fans, just going crazy for a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds. About, about to play a sport, man. It, it truly gets no better, and that's why I thoroughly enjoy watching that game. I was working, but I if that's work, I'll take that every day of the week. Amen. I, I From someone who's in college athletics full-time, I, I 100% agree with you. And now I have a freshman daughter at Mizzou, so I have even more reason to go root for the Tigers. But let's talk about this season that Mizzou is having right now because I, I know that you know they, they were probably – People thought they would be midway in the in the SEC. In fact, I think they were picked maybe even lower part of their division in the SEC. But to now be standing on the edge of a 10-win regular season in the SEC is phenomenal and should definitely be celebrated. Yeah, it's crazy how, you know, when you go into a season, you have what you think is going to happen, right? I think most had Mizzou, what, maybe seven, eight, nine wins on the, on the high end, right? If everything goes right. Because in SEC, you know, any any given Saturday, you can get smoked by South Carolina, Florida, whoever. You know, those are your – if you can win those games, those are the difference maker. And that's what Mizzou has done this year, you know. We were talking, I think, um, before the Georgia game, you know, you know what, what this game would mean for Mizzou. And I, my point was, you know, you're not going to judge Mizzou's season off winning or losing to Georgia. If any team other than Alabama, maybe LSU, judges the team off winning or losing to Georgia, I think you've set your sights a little too high. For Mizzou, it's beating South Carolina. It's beating Florida. It's beating Kentucky. It's beating those teams where people don't know where they're going to fall. And what Mizzou has done week in, week out is beat those teams, right? They lost to LSU, lost to Georgia. Tough losses, but at the same time, they've gone out every Saturday. I mean, this past Saturday, I was shooting the game, and – when you're shooting the game, you're kind of you're you're watching the game, but also you're kind of working and working on you know your shots. So I remember when Florida went up, I was like, oh, like they they may lose this game, but still, you know, at that point, I had a, I had watched Mizzou enough where I'm thinking, man, they're still in it. Then you get that fourth and seventeen play. Sometimes, especially in college athletics, it's just meant to be, which is crazy to say. But this season has gone that way for Mizzou, where every Saturday. It feels like they have a great chance to win. I mean, they even went into Athens and went toe-to-toe with Georgia. And so it's been pretty cool to watch this team and even more with, you know, some guys from St. Louis area be so successful. It's been pretty cool to see. Brian Kennedy with us from KMOV. It's funny because I was watching that game on TV. I was out of town, and they were talking about, man, they've, they've got to get Burden involved a little bit more. And then lo and behold, on that fourth and 17, they get Burden over the middle. I mean, it was – and like you said, it felt like it was meant to be – uh, I I was still thinking, like in the back of my head, I was like, man, they, they are really going to, they're going to lose this game to Florida, to Florida's backup mm-hmm. quarterback, too. Uh, that last drive was just tremendous. Yeah, it was it was so much fun to watch. I think uh, after the game, you know, somebody asked, you know, they, you know, asked Brady Cook to walk them through that fourth and 17 play. And, you know, the end of the question was, were even you shocked to see him that wide open? And Brady was like, yeah, like I couldn't believe of all people on the field, arguably the best player on the field, right, was wide open. Like when, when, when is that, you know, when does that happen? And he caught it and, 
then you're and then after that it felt like the next few completions were easy right after you got the fourth and 17 but I know you had one I think to Mookie Cooper on the sideline you had a couple more and then I mean at that point you're in Mavis's range by by a mile and then they still added more they gave him a chip shot at the end because they spiked the ball and still had one more play in them and still had one more play and then it was just, I mean, I think it, it's a testament. Brady could talk about it at the game. He said it's reps. You know, they've repped two-minute drill over and over and over again, which is true, but also the steps this offense has taken. Uh, Cody Schrader and Brady could both said it after the game that they would not have won this game last year. And I, I couldn't agree more. But where this team has come in a year, Brady Cook and his development, Cody Schrader, Luther Burden, they don't win this game last year. They don't win a lot of the games that they've won this year, last year. I mean, you know, I talk about Kentucky. They were down, what, 14-0 early, mm-hmm. and they flipped the switch and won that game. That's a game I don't think they they win They win last year either. But this team, I mean, they just have this belief. You know, it's, it's, it's not tangible. You can't see it, but they have a belief that they're going to beat you. And it's been pretty fun to watch. And Cody Schrader, I think, by far is, is the story of the season. Has to be. He's amazing. Has yeah, to be. He's, he's been amazing. No question about it. Well, Brian, I appreciate you checking in tonight and uh, talking a little Missouri Tigers with us here, and uh, glad you enjoyed that one, even for a Kentucky guy enjoying that one <laughs> at, at Faro Field over the weekend. And Again, appreciate the time. Have a great Thanksgiving, man. Thank you. You too, man. That is Brian Kennedy from KMOV talking a little Mizzou football here. We'll switch gears. We'll talk some Cardinals baseball. Of course, they made some news yesterday. You know Derek Gould's going to be all over that. We'll talk to him on the other side of the break. It is the Graybar Sports Open Line. I'm Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley. We're coming back after this. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pot back on the Graybar Sports Open Line in for Matt Pauley this week. Happy to have you along with us as well. We'll talk a little Cardinals baseball. They made some moves yesterday, making some news here early in the offseason, and we're pleased to be joined by the lead beat writer for the cards for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STL Today. Derek Gould joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. Derek, thanks so much for taking some time tonight. You bet. Hope uh, hope you're having a good evening here on the, uh, I guess, right before the, the brink of the holidays. That's the brink of the holidays. We are, we're on the precipice of the holiday season, right? Yeah. So <laughs> a little, uh, and a little uh, cards off season uh, news a little earlier than maybe some expected with the signing of Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson yesterday, veteran right-handers, uh, innings guys, uh, and, and much more than that, according to, John Mozeliak, but uh, I think overall we should all be, I, I think, happy that they're making these moves right now, right? Like that they're that these moves are coming at this point in the off season. Yeah, I mean that's that's up to the individual fan, really. Uh, you know, whether I mean I think some folks wanted a bigger move earlier. Um, you know that that those bigger moves haven't really. Uh, started, pro, you know, started gaining momentum yet, with the exception of Aaron Nola, who returned from whence he came. So he just resigned with the Phillies and got that done ahead of Thanksgiving. That's not unusual if a guy wants to go back. Um, that that a move like that, you know, can happen early unless they just drag it out, drag it out, drag it out, drag it out. But you know, he he, he was the only real 
ace, the only real top pitcher of that group that's off the board and re-signed. Um, and you could kind of see that the rest might wait for Yamamoto, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who just posted yesterday morning. Um, or I'm sorry, just was able to receive bids yesterday morning, mm-hmm. posted Monday. Um, you know, could kind of wait to see what that market is going to be like because, you know, the teams interested in him are also, or at least a handful of them, are also going to be interested in the other top pitchers. Um, and if they haven't got or they think that Yamamoto could help increase the offer that they get by reducing the number, you know, by creating urgency with other teams, then there's makes sense to wait. Um, what the Cardinals have done here is they've, you know, they, they moved ahead um, to get the innings, but they, they wanted to get some kind of, you know, foundation of innings for there. There's really no other way to put it. And they didn't want to be left without them come the end of the season, come the end of the winter. Um, going into it, you know, the sense I had and what I heard from them was, um, or at least from folks familiar with what they wanted to do, they wanted to move fast on some kind of certainty, um, you know, and, and finding who that certainty was. You know, Sonny Gray certainly fits that description. Um, but so do Gibson and Lance Lynn is that they fit that certainty. They wanted to move quickly on that just to have something in place. Because if you're going shopping for three starters – and you wait and wait and wait and wait to try to get the top one, then you might be left with none. Right. And they really could not be in that spot. They just knew they could. And with Lynn and Gibson, uh, again, I, I, yes, you're getting a bunch of innings, but but the other thing that John Mozalak said yesterday a couple of times, you've got two guys mm-hmm. that, A, want to be in the organization, and that, B, can provide a veteran presence that he felt like the clubhouse would benefit from. Yeah, and, and shorter contracts because of their of, age. Of course. So the team can move on yeah. if they want to. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the presence thing is really interesting, especially because of Lynn's reputation, um, just no nonsense, a guy who um, really is demanding of his teammates, um, a guy who came up in the Cardinals organization, um, you know, really, I mean, learned in the shadow of Chris Carpenter, all of that stuff, right? Um, I mean, and, and talking with, uh, I'm writing a story for tomorrow's paper, um, where today I was talking with Kyle Gibson. This is the third different team that they've been teammates on. And, you know, Kyle described how, you know, Lance's kind of presence, his personality, he's not afraid to challenge people and to expect more from them and to let them know it. And, you know, there's a real, there's a, there was a real search for that um, to add that kind of element to the rotation. Um, you know, Adam Wainwright's retirement leaves a veteran vacancy there. And, you know, they're, they're not the same personalities and, uh, you know, somewhat, somewhat by design. You think back to when the Cardinals acquired a John Lackey, for example, they, they wanted quote unquote, that, that rusty nail. Um, well, Lance Lynn's going to bring a little rust, and that that will benefit them. Yeah, I don't I don't mind that at all. I like that a, a lot. Um, so moving forward, and, and you mentioned Sonny Gray, obviously. Um, you know Blake Snell as well. Uh, is there do, do these moves? I, I think you asked this question to John Mose like yesterday. Do these moves position them better to go after uh, one of those top line guys? Yeah, I mean it does. You know whether they pull it off, 
even they don't know. Sure. Um, but it does because what you did is you got two spots for the guarantee of twenty three, twenty four million, which is usually, which is the low end of what you know top line starters go for. You know Tyler Glass now, for example, is making twenty five million in the coming year to be atop the Tampa Bay rotation um, if he isn't traded. You know, so that kind of gives you a baseline, right? Like they got 380 innings, they hope, for about 24, 25 million. Um, that means, you know, that frees up the financial flexibility, but it also gives them that guarantee of innings so that, you know, you can go and get a starter who maybe isn't going to give you seven, but is going to give you five and two-third great ones, right? You, you have that balance now. Um, or at least, you you know, they think they do. Um, this is all contingent on health and performance and everything like that. But the trends are that, that what they're going to get from Michaelis and from Gibson and from and from uh, Lance Lynn is, is that consistent, quality, sturdy, workmanlike um, innings that then allow for so much else to happen around them series to series it's just innings are so valuable if they can provide them consistently and 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 have have most of them quality Derek Gould with us here on Sports Open Line let's talk about the coaching staff in and the change specifically at the bench coach role um because at least to me like I I really wasn't aware of what Daniel Descalzo was doing or that, that this was something that he was uh working towards or or looking at he was an advisor I guess with the Diamondbacks um, what makes him better positioned to be in this role than a Joe McEwing was? I don't know if it's – that's an interesting way to frame it, right? Like, I, I mean, I guess that's the decision the Cardinals made. Um, yeah, I, don't, I didn't get the sense that it was better. I, I do think that, like, when you think of – so Oliver Normal is going into his third season as manager, and he's hired four bench coaches. Right. Um, the three of them that he hired for the job, you know, and then obviously went to McEwing when they had to scramble for the job. And I'm not saying that McEwing is like a scrambled choice. They were really fortunate that he was available, given his experience, given how quickly he could move into the role, all of that. But look at the other three that Marmol and Mosaic hired, right? Schumacher, Matt Holiday, Daniel Descalso. What do all three of them have in common? They're recently retired. They have played with, played alongside some of the players that they're now coaching. I think, I think it's not so much better. It's just becoming clear that that's what they want in that role is the bench coach can be a liaison. No, the bench coach should be should, a liaison okay. yeah. between the clubhouse and the manager, right? And that conduit, it helps if, Maybe you've you've been a peer for a little bit, or at least that's their view. Skip played alongside of these guys. Daniel Descalso has been teammates with three of the most prominent players on the Cardinals team right now at three different spots. Contreras, Arnado, and Goldschmidt. I, I just think there's something to it. They all have Cardinal ties. They all are recently retired. They're all about the same age as Marmol and not too different of an age from the players they're going to be working with. I think there's a connection there and an accountability there that they think works. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's not, I, I really did not um, look at it that way. So I, I mean, I, it, it does, it certainly makes sense. 
Um, how about a former Cardinals manager and Mike Schilt getting the job in San Diego, which I think is a fantastic choice. And when, as soon as um, as soon as Melvin left to go to the Giants, I thought, okay, they have to look at Mike Schilt, and I'm 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 pleased that they have. Yeah, talk about like Cardinal bench coaches, right? right? The uh, the team or not the team photo, the manager photo at the <laughs> winter meetings that's coming up, right? Every every year they take a manager photo for each league, National League and American League. The National League photo is going to have four former Cardinal bench coaches in it. That's great. And Schumacher, Schmil, uh, yeah, Schilt. I'm losing my voice, so I apologize. That's all right. Um, yeah, Marmol, Schilt, Schumacher, and you know, and David Bell with Cincinnati. All former Cardinal bench coaches. So, uh, so look for Daniel Descalso to I don't That's know right. lead some team in the near future. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's really good for for Mike Schilt to get that. He called it a second act. So there's it's a real truth to it. Um, you know, he put in his time. Um, he also you know put in his like took the time away from managing. Um, after he was really stung and shocked, just as so many people were, I was, um, with his firing from the Cardinals. That took some getting over, and for him to find a place, find his footing, and kind of rebuild himself around an identity of being a manager and not being a Cardinal, I think is really important. And I think that might really be, I think I could bring out the best in him. You know, he, he, he has all the history that, of being with the Cardinals for so long and all that he learned and all the mentors here that he cherishes and treasures, but he has none of the baggage that goes with that. He gets to be his own manager. He doesn't have to live up to the managers who he looks up to. He can just be his own guy out there in San Diego and maybe in a way shape a dugout in that image, which is going to be a blend of what he learned with the Cardinals, a blend of what he learned from being around the Orioles for so long and a blend of what he wants to be. Derek Gould with us here. Just a couple more minutes. Um, the Hall of Fame ballot just came out. I know eventually we'll see yours. Can you share any uh, thoughts on this current Hall of Fame ballot? Yet. You haven't gotten it yet. No, I mean, I saw it, but right, I haven't right. gotten mine in the mail yet. So, no, I mean, I, you know, I don't really – I'll dig into that when I have it. I know that Adrian Beltre is a first-time guy, and if he's not unanimous, there's – he should be right. unanimous. <laughs> I mean, he's just Adrian Beltre. If listeners haven't revisited his career here recently, um, you know, Adrian Beltre once told me that Nolan Arenado was the best to ever play third base, and that that means a lot considering he's had the title for a long right. time, and he had three thousand hits. Um, you know, some of the records that Albert Pujols broke for like total hits and some of the other things for, for players who were born outside the United States or born in the Dominican were Beltres before they were Pujols. Which people probably don't realize. Yeah. I mean, he, he is, he, you can make the case that he is the best all around third baseman of all time. And if it's not him, then he's right there alongside Mike Schmidt. Right. Yeah. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's he's one of the he's one of the people that you rush to the ballot to vote for along the lines of Ken Griffey Jr. There's just no question. Fantastic. Derek, I appreciate you taking some time tonight. Uh have a fantastic Thanksgiving. I hope you get some time away with family and uh again appreciate you catching up tonight. You bet. I'm gonna write up this story for tomorrow's paper and then uh and then uh, see uh 
see if the pies have been delivered oh, by, from yes. my mom. It makes <laughs> wonderful pumpkin pies. So we'll see. Sounds fantastic. Well, thank you, and uh, enjoy the pies. Thanks. Derek Gould with us here on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line, talking Cardinals moves and Cardinals baseball in general. Certainly appreciate it. It's always great to visit with Derek Gould. He has uh, such a great outlook. I mean, open my eyes to a couple things that I just really wasn't thinking there, uh, especially in regards to the bench coach and, and what that position does, and I guess what Daniel Descalzo will bring to that position. We shall see how that all shakes out, but certainly appreciate it. Good to catch up with Derek Gould. Joe Pot with you in for Matt Pauley. It's the Graybar Sports Open Line. We'll wrap up our number one on the other side of the break on Camo X. It is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line on Thanksgiving Eve or whatever else you might call uh, this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It is nice to think about being uh, being at home. Uh, you know, Derek was saying, hey, I'm going to go finish writing this article and then get ready for his mom's pies. I mean, I would take any pies. But for me, I'm a guy that is traveling a lot this time of year because of college basketball, and there's been several years when I've been on the road for college basketball, like or for Thanksgiving, like literally on the road, like having a Thanksgiving meal like in a hotel, which is not um, not ideal. I mean, I, I love the guys. I love the, the teams that I get to travel with, and that is a benefit, and that is a plus of the job that I do as a full-time job, but... I think that most people would rather be obviously with their own family, right? And you want to be part of whatever those traditions are that you are uh, taking part in that your family takes part in for Thanksgiving. And so it is nice for me personally, I'm going to be, I'm going to have the next couple of days completely free to, uh, to do that. So that is nice. And I do appreciate that. I want to go back to a little bit of what Derek said that what really did kind of open my eyes is the thought on the bench coach, because I'll tell you how I have kind of approached it, how I've kind of looked at it, is that I think that you, or I feel like maybe you want the former manager, someone with some managerial experience, or maybe someone you believe is like right there to be a manager, ready to be a manager, which is what I looked at Skip Schumacher as, that that's a guy that was probably right on the edge of being a manager. Obviously, as it was, he was right on the um, outside of being a manager, now the National League Manager of the Year for what he did with the Miami Marlins. And that's kind of my thinking going into that bench coach position, that you have a second set of eyes, a different voice to make decisions in the game. Derek kind of turned that around and said the, the approach, at least that it appears that the Cardinals are taking, in the guys that they have had, which he included Matt Holiday, obviously, who didn't actually – Take, he did take the job, but he didn't actually perform the job before he um, then stepped aside. But with both Skip Schumacher and Daniel Descalzo, that they're close to the guys. They're close in age. Uh, they're close in careers with the guys. As he mentioned, Descalzo played with Paul Goldschmidt. He played um, you know, with a bunch of those guys that are in the clubhouse right now, Contreras included, that that becomes that it makes it easier to be the liaison between the clubhouse and the manager's office. And that's obviously something that is important to the Cardinals or something they felt like 
uh, was important to um, to the harmony of the clubhouse. And maybe when I posed the question to him, I said, what made Daniel Descalzo better than Joe McEwing in that role? And he said, I don't know if it's better, but the Cardinals have decided it's better. Obviously, they don't make the move if they don't think that who they're acquiring is better than who was there in the first place. And it's not a knock on Joe McEwing. I think what it more is, is that Joe McEwing may be better suited for the role that he will take on now as an assistant to the general manager, John Mozalak. So it's not a knock on Joe McEwing as a baseball guy, um, Joe McEwing maybe as a strategist or anything of that nature, but they want it to be instead the, the guy who is closer in age, who is closer in peer as a peer in their careers to the guys that are currently in the clubhouse. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I just, I wasn't looking at it that way. So I, you know, let's see if that makes a difference there. Clearly, I think the message being sent here in a lot of ways is that there needs to be some sort of change within the clubhouse. Talked about acquiring Lance Lynn as that kind of, well, he said rusty nail, that old kind of grizzled vet for lack of a better term, like the guy that is not going to take any nonsense from his teammate. I immediately, in my head, Chris Carpenter, right? And that's what he said is he came up in the organization under Chris Carpenter, in the shadow of Chris Carpenter. So what a couple of these moves then are saying is that not only is it that the Cardinals need to improve on the field, improve that win-loss record, that there needs to be some sort of shift in the clubhouse. There needs to be some sort of shift in the attitude, in the approach, in the way that that clubhouse is being run. And maybe it's not even a shift. Maybe that's a bad word for it. Maybe a Jits needs the addition so they need the addition of someone that is that liaison. They need the addition of somebody who is going to be the veteran to hold his teammates accountable, which I do think Adam Wainwright did. I don't think he probably did it in the same way as Chris Carpenter or maybe in the same way that Lance Lynn uh, will do or can do. And it's not something that we know Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado really wants to do. They prefer to be the leaders on the field, lead by example, follow what I do. Um, not somebody maybe that's going to take you to task if you're not performing your task, if you're not performing up to your ability on the field or you're not performing up to standards, maybe more specifically on the field. And that is something that has seemed to been lacking uh, from the clubhouse because Yadier Molina was that guy as well, right? Yadier Molina was the guy not afraid to get into uh, get in your face or take a teammate to task if need be, if that was something that he felt like was needed. And of course, John Mozeliak did address, will Molina come back? Cause they've talked about whether or not there's a role for a Yadier Molina and what it feels like, what it seems like is maybe Yadier Molina is uh, not quite ready to be back in a full-time day-to-day uh, kind of role that it, that maybe that's not, he's not ready for that yet. Maybe that's not true, but that sort of seemed like the message that we were getting there. Uh, plenty coming up in our second hour, of course. More baseball with Kylie McDaniel, VSPN. We're going to hear from Randy Molman as well. We were talking about Thanksgiving traditions. One of the big Thanksgiving traditions here in town, obviously, is the Guns and Hoses event that is going on literally as we speak. It's like literally across the street from us, Matt. We're, it's, it is right across the park from us here uh, in the Park Pacific building where we are. But 
Tom Ackerman is there tonight as well. He is the, I don't know if you call him the host, the, he's kind of the host, the play-by-play guy. Like he has all of, he, he can, he can encompass all of those skills and he is putting them all to work tonight. But this is one of those traditions in St. Louis that when you think about Thanksgiving and you think about that holiday season starting, one of the things you think about is the Guns and Hoses tournament. It's, it's something that I've never been to. I've always wanted to go to the Guns and Hoses uh, event, but never have. And probably now I'm going to be here like most years, like because I'm not the full-time guy. So the full-time guys get, you know, the holiday time, they get, they get a break. But so that means that guys like me uh, get to come fill their seat. But that's going on tonight down at Enterprise Center. And the cool thing about it, obviously, it, it all benefits the Backstoppers organization. And it just gives uh, one of the things that, that St. Louis is so good at is being generous and sharing. And it gives uh, St. Louisans a chance to do that as well. So we're coming back for our second hour. And we'll talk to uh, Kylie McDaniel. We'll talk to Randy Molman. Second hour of Sports Open Line is coming up on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 